All right. Well, I am very excited to be here today with Eric Johnson. Eric, you are the relatively new CEO of SurveyMonkey, and I appreciate you taking some time to talk with me today. Hey, thanks, Jason. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I think we should start with with what I just said. You started, I think, in this role a couple months ago. Uh, you have been with SurveyMonkey for a little over a year. I think that that's right. Almost a year. Okay. Almost a year. So I feel like this is great. We're catching you right at the beginning. Maybe we'll have another conversation in a couple of years and just kind of like reflect on how things go based on our conversation today. But I would love to just, you know, a lot of things have happened at SurveyMonkey in the past few months, right? A new CEO. Uh, Some of our listeners are probably very familiar with SurveyMonkey and maybe didn't realize that for a while that was not the company's name, right? And so I'd love to just kind of like talk us through what has happened over the almost a year that you've been there. Yeah, it's a it's a good start. I've been CEO now since June 1st, and the company was taken private by a group called STG that closed on May 31st. And so the next morning, I was announced as the new CEO. I had been in an interim role helping in marketing and growth for about six months or so prior to that. And one of the first things we did was go back to our original brand and name for the company of SurveyMonkey. And we had been rebranded in June of 21 as Momentum, as the company had made a concerted push towards the enterprise market. And it made a ton of sense for where their focus was and where the market was. But as STG came in as I was taking over, we we just hadn't made the inroads with momentum that we needed to. And it didn't make sense to keep fighting this battle on two fronts from the brand standpoint. When we have a brand like SurveyMonkey that has been around for 20 plus years, is well-known, is well-liked, it means a lot to our employees and our users and is something that we can leverage as an asset. And we went back to to that officially June 1st. I think we had the legal pieces to work through over the next couple of weeks, but we we have now back to SurveyMonkey. And and with that, we've made some changes on strategy and some pieces that we're we're rolling out still over the course of 2023. Okay. So there's a whole bunch to unpack there. (laughs) And we will definitely, I know that that SurveyMonkey had some news that that you guys announced just this week. And I do want to get to that, but I feel like for our audience that it would be great to unpack a couple of those things, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, you started by, I, you said something that was really interesting when you, you talked about how essentially the company was fighting this battle and you had to decide like, do we want to keep pressing forward in this direction, which was to sort of like expand the scope with a new brand. And I always think about companies when they rebrand that like because it sometimes feels like companies are very quick to to want to rebrand even though the only reason and I'm not suggesting that this was the case either when you switched momentum or came back but that it's like someone thinks this would be fun to give bring some energy and to to revitalize things but really everything is is supposed to be the same and when you talk about like you had to decide if you wanted to keep fighting this battle it feels like a lot of companies would have made a different decision. And I'm just wondering if you could talk through, because I, I, it, on the surface, it looks like you did this for all the right reasons, but a lot of companies would do something different and think that they were doing it for the, all the right reasons. And I would just love to hear like what the thought process was, what those reasons were, how you, like what those battles were that you were fighting. 
Yeah, it's a great question. If you go back to when they made the decision to go to Momentive, it was done with a lot of thought and discipline around the idea. And as I mentioned, the focus on that enterprise client and moving up market. And we still care immensely about the enterprise client. We just needed to recenter our internal focus and our branding efforts and our product development around the core SurveyMonkey platform that expands from that single user signing up for free up through big enterprises that have thousands of users. And I try to push our team and, and myself into a place where you're making the decision at the time with the information you have. And it's the classic look at the sunk cost where you've got to make the right decision for the go forward. And it felt like the best path for growth for us, both from a development standpoint, where you get this multiplier effect against the development we do on our core platform versus building for some specific use cases on the higher end, that, that we were going to get that by focusing on the core. And so that combination of the value for employees and our value in the market, it was pretty clear to me. It was a core part of the STG thesis coming in. And it was good news we were aligned on that completely, that uh, that was the right way to go. So uh, I have this theory that essentially every business that gets very successful at a thing that it does better than its competition eventually faces what I call the Evernote problem, which yeah. is, or even before that, maybe the Dropbox problem. It's like once you expand beyond your core audience and you start to add features or products or uh, you know other services to that, at some point you, you you have to decide like which direction you're going to go and. The, and the trajectory of the growth originally is is generally based on the success of the product that individuals or small businesses or whoever it is really love. And then you sort of have to serve two masters, right? And and like I was an early user of Evernote. I loved Evernote. It's not the same product or company anymore. In fact, I think yeah. recently they like no longer even have anyone in the US working on it. And like to me, that's tragic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so and the same thing happened. A lot of people who love Dropbox early on started to get frustrated when it became clear, like instead of serving individuals or small teams, it was it was catering to the enterprise. When you think about that problem, how do you approach that differently? Because now it's on you at SurveyMonkey and, and you talked about wanting to still serve the enterprise and yet you have all of these customers who have grown very, uh, you know, who, who have a lot of affection for your brand. And in balancing those two things, I, I think as we've seen in other companies is a, is a real challenge. And I'd love to just hear how you approach that. Yeah, I think what we had done historically is that we built up our enterprise sales business as almost a separate company running alongside our self-service business. And I, I think our mistake was that we were trying to get there too fast on certain pieces. And so you were leapfrogging levels. An old boss of mine always talked about it, like the video game version. You've got to beat a boss on a certain level to move up and you have to earn your path into those places. And so for us, it's really about where does the product scale? What are the similar features that matter for the bakery on the corner or a massive multinational food company? And 
it's surprisingly similar from a lot of that. The onboarding pieces are a little different for the enterprise, but the base use, our, our goal from a product standpoint is to get people to upload their information and deploy a survey as soon as possible. That, that again, is the same for that free user as it is for that massive corporation. And a lot of the feature set is the same thing. And a lot of the feature set for the respondent view is the same. Now in an enterprise, you will have customization features that we built in and we build a different pricing tier for that. And we have some admin tools and some collaboration tools, other elements that build on top of that core. But so much of that, that core survey feedback element, what is really the, the what we pitch and push is our speed to insight, our speed to implementation is one of the great drivers of our value that you've got this enterprise class software that can be used by the baker on the corner. And, and so it's focusing and having the discipline on the roadmap to say, we're going to really focus on the use cases that drive 95% of our users and our buyers. And it's surprisingly similar. And again, there are some pieces that we are developing and have developed fairly extensive tools, the analysis pieces and elements we're building in the future for our, our broad data analysis and collaboration tools that are really built for the bigger customers in the enterprise, but they all come on the on top of that core SurveyMonkey platform. And so, it, I mean, like anything, you're making decisions that are difficult and the you're saying no to a lot of good ideas so that you can build the roadmap and deliver products that are effective for a broad base of users. So obviously you you talked about how you know this decision was made as a result of SurveyMonkey being acquired by STG and and, be, and being a private company and I'm just curious like do you feel like that that was sort of the tipping point or the change event that was required would, would SurveyMonkey have been able to or I guess at that point, Momentum have been able to say, you know what, we we feel like we have to go back to our roots, and that's going to have a cost. And so, be, being acquired in by a, a private equity partner is really the tool that's necessary. Or is this a thing that is it hard? Is it is that what made it easier to make this hard decision? Because it feels like this is, you know, a sort of a trajectory change, right? Yeah, it's a great question, and it is a trajectory change that sets us up well for the long-term and has short-term impacts. There's clear cost to repositioning the company, rebranding back to SurveyMonkey that are not trivial and are much easier to make as a private company. I don't know if we would have made this at some point as a public company. I think we would have gotten there over the coming quarters. This did create the moment to make the decision and, and change the trajectory and, and some of the other decisions on what we were focused on and really focusing on that long-term growth and success of the product, the platform for our customers, and then eventually the, the business, obviously. And the great thing is we're doing this from a base of a business that's about a half a billion dollars, the last reported numbers as a public company that's profitable. It's a really great business and platform with some extraordinary opportunities to build over the long term. And our goal end of 23 and into 24 is how do we set ourselves up well for that long-term success? 
Okay, so let's let's talk about one of the first things that you guys have done, right? It, may, it probably doesn't feel like one of the first things, but it's the most recent thing <laughs> that you guys have done to sort of do that, which is this week you guys announced a new product, SurveyMonkey Forms. And when I when I look at it, like there, it feels certainly like surveys and forms are adjacent and that it's people like doing things on a web interface where they're clicking and entering information, yeah. right? So, but they are different. And, and honestly, like when I first read this, I thought, isn't forms like a solved problem? <laughs> Don't most people yeah. who need a form for their WordPress site or for their whatever it is, like that seems like an area that is already, and so I'm curious how you approached that and why you started there. Yeah, it's a good question. And the the surprising thing to me when I looked hard at this was how big the forms opportunity still is and how how much blank space there is out there for the the forms opportunity and for the listeners I think that the easiest distinction that we use to talk about the difference of surveys and forms is that surveys I care about the aggregate response. I want to know what percent of people are favorably disposed to a given product or a color of a button versus others. In forms, I care about the feedback from a specific user. On a yoga studios page, someone signing up, I will need to know the details of that user that entered information into the form. And I think the, the key for us is that we've had forms use cases as part of our product historically, we hadn't broken that out as a separate product and offering to go after individually and build elements into that forms product that are specific to that user integration. So adding payments to this customization as you move up the, the payment tiers where you can build these elements in. And the, the great thing for users is often these become, like you said, it may be solved, but it's a set it element that you can if you're getting good integrations into Google Sheets, into MailChimp, into others, then it becomes the the default for you where swapping that out is just not practical. And so ours, we want to build something that both is practical and easy to implement today and can grow with them as their company grows, as their business scales and their users scale. And so the the adjacency you mentioned is is the key that going into markets where we've got an advantage going in, where our brand plays well, partly because we've already got the use cases, but we felt like this was a, a really clear opportunity for us to add at its base, an entry-level product. And then importantly for us, one that scales the way the surveys business, the feedback business scales. And that makes sense. And if I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but like if you already are a SurveyMonkey customer, you just get forms, right? Like this is not, a, this is like a part of what you're already paying for. Is that right? Yeah, there's there's forms included in the survey packages and then there will be forms specific packages that will have differentiated product offerings. And the so that base survey product got better. And what's amazing is the intent when you see the users come in for forms, what the use cases look like versus a user that comes in for surveys and how they use the product, even when they have access to either one. And so the, the use cases for forms, the highest use case is event registration. And then that flows into 
payments and other opportunities in the forms market. But yes, the, the survey package actually just got better as we launched additional forms use cases for them. Okay. So I talked to a lot of small business owners. Those are largely uh, the readers at Inc. And when one of the challenges, I think, especially if you're a subscription-based business, obviously like SurveyMonkey, where people pay you something every month, the two challenges you have well, there are a lot of challenges, but at a, like simple, to boil it down, overly simplified, are finding new customers and then keeping those customers from going to something else, right? D- avoiding churn, and so you, it, it, it feels a little bit like maybe this is like does both of those things, right? You have standalone forms, you also have made your product better, but when you think about it as a CEO, so like this is the business leader question. Do you see this more as a, we made the product better, we just added a thing to Amazon Prime, so now you won't stop paying for Amazon Prime kind of a thing? Or is this a, we think that there is such a need for forms that there are people who currently aren't SurveyMonkey customers who we can solve that problem for them and they'll be so satisfied that we can then solve other problems for them as well? Can I say yes? I knew your answer was going to be both, but that's fine. Yes, it, it, it really is both. But the, the push for us in forms is for us to grow that top of the funnel. I believe there is a market that we have not served historically because of the way we've positioned the product. And we have not had a standalone forms product that we've built that we've offered to the market. And we've seen in our experiments early, those use cases change dramatically. And we have a collection of templates that we use as examples or or starting points for the customer. The interest in that forms template as we expose them to the audience is extraordinary. Some of them became our top use cases for templates. And that gives me a lot of confidence that we've got a path to grow the market and grow the opportunity. And to your other question, there's a great retention built into forms where people don't want to rip them out if they're working and working well. And we have the path with the forms opportunity to build in the feedback piece where you've already got the the platform in there. You've got the data, you've got elements and integrations built in where adding feedback and adding surveys to that is a really simple thing for that user of, of any size. And so I think that the ideal is it's doing both of those and it goes back to the beauty of our, our product, which is if anybody's sending out a survey by default, they are sharing SurveyMonkey and helping us reach new people who see our product and come back to the website and engage with the site. And a, a meaningful number of those respondents sign up for a free email account, and then they become part of the the circle and the cycle that we can market to and, and push them to sign up for survey accounts. And it's just, you know, it's a, it all works in tandem. And when we're doing that really well, you will see that increased top of the funnel on forms, better retention because of that product. And I think you increase the the survey volume as well. I mean, in fairness, I've never asked that question and not had the answer be bold. So <laughs> I, like, I was sure of that. that there wasn't going to be a... It's always the answer. And that's fine. Yeah, that's totally yeah. fair. Right, I'm way too predictable. But. <laughs> it's okay. That's that's fair. Uh, well, because nobody's going to be like, no, we don't actually care about this part. We're just... Yeah, I, mean, I get it. So <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I will say that when I when I got an email from your team saying, hey, SurveyMonkey has a product that they're launching, you have to know that like in my mind, my immediate thought was, oh... 
So let me read another AI pitch. Okay. Because so, <laughs> that's, I mean, I get a lot of those every single yep. day and I put them into two categories. There are, huh, this company found a very interesting way to do this thing. So like, and I'm like a great example of that would be um, some of the email apps that now will gen use generative AI to help you to generate a response. Like that's an actually useful thing for a lot of people. And then there are the AI related things that are mostly like a marketing buzzword because everyone is using that and companies feel left behind if they don't include that. But that was obviously not the pitch. You guys had something, let's be honest, a lot more boring in forms. I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but like nope. good for you that like you're going back to the roots, except then I realized you guys have actually been doing the AI thing for like five or six years now in terms yep. of analysis. And, and I actually would kind of love to give you a chance to sort of talk about that and how you are leveraging a thing you're already doing to make the experience better for users. Because while I personally don't have a lot of use of surveys, and so I don't have a lot of hands-on experience, I can certainly imagine that in the creation of surveys and in the analysis of surveys, there's some real value that you can add to customers. Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. And, and we have been very focused on machine learning and AI over, it's been at least five years now, we've built out our own ML team. And the value we've got is that we're sitting on 84 billion survey responses for the history of the company. And with that comes a lot of insights you can glean in terms of what quality responses look like, how to filter bad responses, how to get to productive survey questions that ask that are not leading questions. And the, the opportunity is to marry this data set with some of the tools that exist today for probably three functions over time. The first of which that we will launch is our create function, where you can think about that one as what you'd expect. It's a prompt that says, I want to get feedback on a given product I'm launching and can you build me a survey for targeting people in the Midwest and their reaction to this product? And then it will give you a baseline to start with, which you can then edit that. How do you get people up and going quickly with the product consistent with what we talked about earlier that I want to get people deploying surveys as quickly as possible, make the process easy. The, the second piece that we will look at with AI, which goes back to this data set we have is how do I understand my results? How do I get a better read on what I'm getting from the results and, and build tools I can share within my company or take myself and understand that feedback, both the quantitative feedback and that qualitative feedback. And the really cool thing over time will be in those qualitative responses, the open-ended, we've got a box that says, Tell us any other thoughts you have about our company or our product. Historically, you get those and you have no chance to follow up. With AI built in on the back of this data set that we've got, you'll see a path to a, a qualitative response comes in. You can generate new questions to ask follow-up questions on that, where you can start to get really interesting individual insights around certain topics or areas, and you can start to categorize those areas. And so the the... the the key is not to do all this to get the buzz, but the key is to make this better for the user using some of these pretty powerful tools out there. Yeah. And at the same time, like, is it tempting to figure out way like there, I feel like there has to be a temptation to, God, we're doing this already. Isn't there a bandwagon that we can jump on somewhere? Even though I like, again, I put this in the category of, this is a thing that actually adds value. It's an, it's a, it's a very useful feature. 
but the really useful features are like you have to obviously be a survey monkey customer for this to matter to you and it i mean it doesn't actually like if i go to your homepage right now it does i don't see the word ai really anywhere so like kudos i give you credit for that <laughs> but at the same time like why not yeah i think that the bandwagon on ai i understand the the valuation the fundraising market is extraordinary and i get people should be pushing this and it will impact so many parts of the business there's some that are really interesting in terms of i love what getty just announced that they're offering up their archive of images for ai so you can build images using them as, as templates and can do it crediting the the owners and and there, so there's going to be more and more really compelling use cases for AI in everything that we do. And we believe it will be a core part of what we offer. The, I think the most important thing is going back to the customer and making sure that it is practical and appealing to them the way we're building that as opposed to trying to use that just as a hook. And there's a balance in all this. And I we're not in the fundraising market. We're not looking, we're, we are very focused on the company performance. And when we have an offering that we're going to push hard, we'll, we will absolutely market that. I'm not shy about that, but I think it's got to be in consideration of the customer and what makes sense for them and what we're delivering of real value as opposed to trying to, to build on the hype. You know, I, some, uh, a founder of a, uh, of a, medium-sized company had said to me recently, like, hey, you can make all the promises about AI that you want. The problem is, what do you do then, right? If all yeah. if you find all these customers who are really excited about your buzzwords, but really disappointed in your product, that's not sustainable. And it sounds like at SurveyMonkey, like, I think every business's goal is to be, build something sustainable, but it, it feels like you're actually making some of those hard decisions to to figure out like, Hey, we, we tried some things. We realized that maybe that was not the best direction for us to head. So now we're going to get back to what we're good at and we're going to build upon that. Does, is that an accurate reflection? A, a very accurate reflection. I talked to the team a ton about speed and predictability. How do we move fast against what we're really good at and how do we build a predictable model around that? And so much of that is about delivering for the customer, because that gives you confidence in those retention rates that gives you confidence in upgrades and that new customer and how you turn the email sign up into a paying customer over time is by offering value. And that that is the key. And AI will be a part of that for sure. Yeah. I just want to make yeah. sure that we're not out in front, as you say, that you're delivering the the story before the value. And, and I think that the the luxury we have is a business that works really well that I know we can make work better and focusing on that, that customer story and that customer journey is a critical part of that. Yeah. So, and when you think about that in the last couple of minutes that we have here, you know, you're now, I guess that would be what, three and a half, almost four months into this. So yep. it's, it's a little bit early for me to ask you like, what's next, but I'm just going to ask you like, what's next for SurveyMonkey? You've, you've done this, you've rolled out this product. Uh, wh what do you see? Like, and what do you want to talk about in terms of what, what's coming next, both for your customers and for finding some of those new customers where you can solve those problems for them? Yeah. Our product roadmap over the course of the next year or so really breaks into three core elements that it's integrate, collaborate, and create. And that create piece is about 
as we talked about earlier, how do we get people to build surveys quickly, to get forms up on their website? How do we make that a elegant process, a simple process for any user at any scale? And then the integrate is finding more elements to integrate into other products. So working with other software companies that make this work for your business. And then collaborate, our, our head of product calls this our secondary viral loop, which sounds very jargony, but I love <laughs> it because it's like the, the core of our business is this great viral loop. You send out surveys, you're adding people to the list and it keeps feeding on itself. But this collaborate piece is within organizations. Can we make it easier? And 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 how do we make that analysis better, but easy to share? It's surprisingly hard still in many cases to move data from uh whatever tool you're using, but putting that into uh, a presentation, sharing that with users, getting collaboration on the build of a survey, the input there. And we've just all built these various roadblocks to doing these things with registration or, or allowing free users to look at things that, that we are moving to a place where we want to make that as seamless as possible. And those three things become the, the themes of which we drive a lot of our product. And, as I said at the outset, it's all about building on that core SurveyMonkey platform, which the beauty of that is that it spans a, a user, a paying user base of, I think we're at 875 or 900,000 active users right now. It's a pretty extraordinary base and the benefits we can drive are meaningful across that. Well, that's great. And I, I I think that secondary viral viral loop is just like all I could think of was like the flywheel, right? Jeff Bezos' <laughs> flywheel. And I'm like, but this yep. is a much better I like your term better, the secondary viral loop. So that's <laughs> I'm, I'm totally stealing the term, but I love it. <laughs> I think that's great. So well, Eric, I really appreciate you taking this time. I will definitely be looking forward to seeing what comes next. Maybe we can have another conversation in a year or two and talk about like some of the things that have changed. But I really appreciate uh you taking the time today and 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 I, I hope that some of the People who are listening to this will will realize that like SurveyMonkey is not just still here, but you have some big plans for the company. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jason. Great to talk to you.